Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Steve Hilton Show. Uh, we got a guest today who you've met before, if you're a regular viewer, listener. I met him uh, again just the other day in real life in Sacramento when I was up there filing our ballot initiative on home ownership. Uh, he's Joe Patterson. And the most important thing you need to know about Joe Patterson, apart from the fact that he's a fantastically energetic member of the California State Assembly doing great work trying to bring some common sense to our laws uh, here in California. Um, he's got more hair than me. He really wants you to know that. So if you're listening to this and not watching, that is the key point. Uh, not much more, a little bit more, <laughs> but it is nevertheless uh, a significant uh, advantage that you have. Joe, great to see you. Hey, likewise. Thanks for having me again. Now I feel like a seasoned veteran from the last time I was on. Exactly. Exactly. So just before we get into the details, because there's so much to discuss, I don't want to waste time uh, because this is an incredibly busy time in the California state legislature. You're right there in the thick of it. Um, but just remind everyone, where's your district and, and uh, just tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, it's uh, Northern California, Placer County and El Dorado County, basically the majority of the populations of both those counties. Uh, you know, prior to this, I had a small consulting firm and uh, I'd always was engaged in politics one way or another. Uh, I've always loved politics and public policy. I was on a city council up here in Rockland. So, um, so I, you know, know some things going on, but uh, learning a lot this year, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. So let's, let's get into it. Um, one of the issues that I think has really, among all the others, that, that has just stunned people watching and across the country actually not just here in california is the way that the state has been handling this issue of fentanyl you've been such a strong voice on this um just tell us where what what you've been working for you, just the whole story the, the the scale of the problem here in california what you've been working for what the democrats have been doing and where we are right now in terms of new legislation and so on yeah i think you're right we don't have we don't have enough time to talk about all of this but uh I'll give a little insight to where I can and answer any questions. But, you know, one of my neighbors died from uh, Zach Didier from fentanyl poisoning about, uh, you know, almost four years ago now mm -hmm. um, or three years ago. But he, uh, you know, I had no idea what fentanyl was. I was on the Rockland City Council. He lived in my neighborhood. Uh, and then ever since that point, I've kind of been an advocate for it. I uh, later found out my, my cousin actually died from fentanyl. Um, but what we've seen in California is it's actually, uh, for, you know, younger people, um, you know, I think below 55, it could be 50, but, uh, mm -hmm. is the leading cause of death actually more than gun violence, more than pretty much everything else. And so I've tried to a three prong approach to solve this problem. I've introduced mm -hmm. four pieces of legislation on it that goes to education. It goes to treatment but also one that the legislature fails to act on, and that's accountability. And uh, I will say that the state does have, and I did meet with the California National Guard, and they do have a legitimate operation. And I was personally shocked how the cartels mm -hmm. have infiltrated our cities in California. I mean, this isn't just something, you know, that we, that you think might happen. I mean, they were showing me how this is impacting our state and the cartels are operating right here in California. And, but we have no accountability in this state. I mean, it's, and nothing, nothing with accountability passes the legislature. And that's been the biggest disappointment so much to where a lot of these families are having to take it, uh, you know, to the voters directly.
Exactly. So when you say accountability, just to be clear, you're talking about, you know, using old fashioned language. I don't know if we're allowed to even say these things anymore. Punishment for the crime. Yeah, exactly. Punishment, you know, and it's interesting because there's this philosophy and actually the state of California changed the definition of what prisons are for. I always thought it was for punishment, but now the focus is rehabilitation. And I'm all about giving rehabilitation to people uh, because the vast majority of them get out of prison. But there also it comes a point where you have to punish people for their crime. But I get asked a lot, well, what about, how do you know this is a deterrence? Uh, mm-hmm. All the studies show the war on drugs failed. Well, first of all, the war on drugs was completely, I mean, that was just a crazy thing, right? I mean, they were really going after street level users mm-hmm. and putting them in prison for, for a long time, actually. But we're talking about people who then were, they get, heroin or crack or cocaine and uh that's the drug they got with fentanyl people think they're getting one thing and they're actually given fentanyl and so they are literally being poisoned by whoever you know they're getting this from and we should be punishing those people with severe penalties it's not the same as a guy who sold you you know cocaine or whatever and thought he was giving you cocaine this is somebody who's selling you a lethal drug that you think you're getting something mm-hmm. else instead. And they're criminal enterprises. I mean, let's go back to that point and the cartels and just, just you know, again, this story is getting, you know, pretty well known because it is such a massive killer and such a massive issue in communities and for families affected by it. The story that we hear is that the, the raw ingredients are manufactured in China and then sent to Mexico and then enter here through, the, the, through drug cartels. Is that basically the right sort of headline description of what's going on. That's that's correct. Uh, and that's on the DEA, Joe Biden DEA website. So that isn't some, you know, conspiracy that we've created. I will say there's thoughts that a lot of it is trafficked across the border mm-hmm. by Americans. I have not actually seen that evidence, but regardless of how it's getting across the border, the bottom line is it is getting across the border. Mm-hmm. And that it is being manufactured and sold here in the United States by the cartels. There is no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Um, by Mexican, so, Mexican drug cartels. Actually, you know what's interesting? I can't remember what country. Well, yes, it is the Mexican cartels. Yeah. But the people who are actually selling it in the cities in California, yeah. I think it was from Honduras. Honduras. I hear that a yes. lot. But in San Francisco. Yeah. In fact, it was one of the reasons why the previous DA who was um, thrown out in the recall, Chase Boudin, refused to prosecute um, fentanyl dealers in San Francisco on the grounds that they were mainly from Honduras and therefore would be brought to the attention of ICE and it's a sanctuary city, so they didn't want them deported. I mean, it's just sort of astonishing. There's there's even reporting of, of you know commu- whole communities in in Honduras that are just you know great saying thank you to San Francisco for making them wealthy. I mean, it's just it's just astonishing. Um, yeah, it's sad. And so when, I will. Sorry. No, you, no, I was just going to ask you about what. So specifically, what have you been pushing for in terms of accountability for the people who are doing this to our people? Yeah. Um, well, one of the things I've supported all the legislation, if it gets to me and I've co-authored most of it, that would just add criminal penalties to people who are selling this. But mm-hmm. I did author a piece of legislation, which has been most in the news, and there's been other people have done it, including a Democrat, uh, Alexandra's Law, which mm-hmm. would basically say, hey, if you're selling any drug, actually, 
and you're convicted of it, you would receive a warning from the prosecutor, from the judge, or from law enforcement that says, hey, if you keep selling drugs and somebody dies of fentanyl poisoning that you gave them the fentanyl, you can actually be charged with murder. Now, what's interesting is you can already be charged with murder in California. So this was actually a warning to them to make it clear you you will be charged with murder, um, you know, if the evidence shows that that's what you were doing. And uh, we couldn't even get the warning out of committee. And just how absurd it is in um, in Sacramento is the only enhancement that was put on fentanyl, like a sentencing enhancement for prison terms. The only one is you have to traffic in 500,000 lethal doses of what? fentanyl. Yes, 500,000 lethal doses. And actually, that bill died the first time. And then once Republicans added pressure to that and it got all over the press and all that sort of stuff, they reconsidered it and it barely got out, kind of watered down. But 500,000, enough people to kill the entire city of Sacramento. So that's been passed, has it? That did pass the legislature, I think, grudgingly, but 500,000 pills. But yes, it did pass. And that's it. So so in terms of other bills that tried to increase the penalties for fentanyl, all of them were blocked by Democrats. Is that right? Yeah, correct. They were all they were all killed. Yeah. I mean, this is so uh, it's yet another example. We see it the whole time on issue after issue where the far left, hard left extremist ideology on criminal justice reform just completely blows common sense and decency and morality out of the water. You saw it with Shannon Groves bill on uh, child sex trafficking. You saw it with Bill Asaley's bill on uh, gun violence. Um, you Domestic abuse, I believe. You know, like issue after issue where anyone who tries to add penalties on heinous, for, for heinous crimes is blocked because the whole concept of incarceration punishment is considered to be racist because of this ideology of criminal justice reform. I mean, and finally, you know, in the in the Shannon Grove case with the child, eventually the public pressure was so great, they grudgingly, you know, let that go through, I think, with the intervention of Gavin Newsom. But I mean, on these other ones, I don't think they have. No, I say, you know, the um, what was interesting is it really is kind of what I think is the, you know, extreme perspectives mm -hmm. on the on one committee in particular in the assembly, because. Mm -hmm. The Alexander's law that I was just talking about, there was a Democrat that actually authored it on the Senate side mm -hmm. and had more than half of the Senate, Republicans and Democrats alike, co-author the bill, and it still couldn't get out of committee. So um, so the majority of the legislature, or at least the state Senate, was saying, hey, we want to do this, but still just a couple people were able to hold it up yes. from becoming the law. And by the way, that's not democracy. That's not democracy. That's no. like the exact opposite. That's a dictatorship. And is, am I right in thinking that when these were um, being these, this was being debated, that's when you had these very um, emotive protests in Sacramento. You saw, I mean, it was on the you saw pic, pic, photos of victims, child victims of fentanyl, on big kind of posters around the capital. Is is that what this was for? Oh, that's exactly. I mean, we we have had a couple press conferences on fentanyl and the victims, the families have come out to talk about this uh, for who's ever a, a Giants fan, a San Francisco Giants fan. Um, 
the pitcher Logan Webb, his cousin, who by the way is a was a his family's constituent of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, his cousin died of fentanyl. So Logan Webb has been very public and in, in his family about this as well. I mean, it's impacted pretty much a, a lot of families out here. And whether yeah. whether you're addicted to it, I you know, or you are, um, I just happen to take a pill and get poisoned by it. I mean, we got to hold those people accountable of that course. are giving them that. Stuff. And by the so. way, the, the the pill thing, again, I I just want to make sure I've understood this correctly. I've, we've talked about this before with other guests as well. But the point the point about putting it in a pill, the 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 person buying it isn't aware of. Is it to get them addicted? Is that the purpose to introduce them to a small amount? Otherwise, I, I don't. You know what's going on there? What are what's their kind of business model, as it were? Um, it is highly addictive. Um, and frankly, I think sometimes kids don't necessarily, if they don't, uh, and hopefully they don't die from it, they know that they received some kind of high or something like that. And so they would go back. I, I don't think it would be a bad business model if the intent was to actually kill people, exactly. right? Uh, from- so that's just, uh, that shows how cruel and callous they are. They're prepared to risk that in order to get, get people addicted. Exactly. Yeah, there's no measurements of this stuff. They're done in illegal labs in Mexico, yeah. right? So, I mean, it's amazing. So, where we stand as of today is that we've got this this massive uh, crime and drug crisis that is the number one killer of young people in California, and basically the legislature's done nothing about it. So, I will give you some pessimism and I'll give you some optimism mm-hmm. all in one. The pessimistic view is that we just went through an entire year where everybody's talking about it being the most important thing um you know and that's something we had to do i mean i have a lot of i do have legislation that's passed on fentanyl on the education and treatment and there are other bills that have done that but nothing on accountability so we went through an entire year without addressing the core issue and that's the criminal element of this Mm -hmm. but the good news is the last night of session on thursday night we the speaker the new speaker of the assembly gave a speech and he said the two top issues to him which both of them are my top two issues so i was actually pleased to hear him say it and this is a democrat mm-hmm. said insurance right lack of insurance in the state but the other one he said was the fentanyl crisis so i do have hope that they will do something about it um, in the next session in the yeah i know see that's what's disappointing because how many people? 117 people die a week from fentanyl. So, um, so there's a lot of deaths between now and then. But, but I'm still optimistic that something's going to get done. I mean, well, it good. Has I to mean, go. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you got to keep going. I mean, that's you know, Shannon. The, to be fair, Shannon Grove, good example. You know, she just kept being knocked back by these extremists, but she kept going and and did eventually get her bill passed. Um, yeah. So uh, let's talk about some of the other issues. Oh, yeah, actually, before we leave that one, wasn't wasn't there some incident? I, I've got. To, I'm dying to ask you about this. Uh, wasn't it connected to one of the one of the other fentanyl bills um, on the floor of that of the chamber? And and one of the Democrats was pretty rude to you about what you were doing or proposing. Wasn't there something going on there? Um, yeah, I mean, well, actually, that was on the sex trafficking issue. Right. Um, but what happened is a, a Democrat had said that Republicans are using victims of sex trafficking to prove their point as if as if we're asking the victims. It's just so weird. They were saying we're using the victims. The victims are coming to us and saying, like, hey, please help us. 
And so we're trying to give them a solution, but that's just how callous they are on, or some of them, not all of them on this particular issue. It's like, Hey, we got to, it's like, they just rather be rude than, than pass something out. I mean, I would work with anybody on this issue. I actually give the governor props. You will not hear Joe Patterson say a lot. Hey, good job, Gavin Newsom. But when he came out after the sex trafficking bill died and said, Hey, this should really pass, right? Mm-hmm. Between the Republican pressure, the media pressure, and the governor, it's finally got another hearing and got out. And, you know, we should we should applaud him for that. Yeah, that's true. I think that, um, however, we should also remember that their first instinct is to block it because the ideology is so strong. Um, exactly. Like the, what they said, the, the force is strong in this. The, the ideology is strong in this, in this group of Democrats. Uh, let's talk about housing because it's something that I know you're – very focused on, uh, and I have been too with my organization, Golden Together. That's when we last saw each other. We filed a ballot initiative on housing. It's a very, very um, complicated policy area, but it's incredibly important. As I, I make this argument the whole time. It's now the number one reason people give for leaving California. We have the highest housing costs in America. We have the lowest home ownership. It affects everybody. It affects renters because of the, every it's a massive component of the cost of living crisis that everyone experiences. I mean, we just had the survey the other week uh, looking at uh, income data and so on that showed that 34%, just over one third of Californians can't meet their basic needs. And the cost of housing is a huge part of that. So we all know there's a massive problem. I've got my, you know, I'm, I, I, my when we were sort of looking at this issue and thinking what can we do with a ballot initiative obviously you can't do everything because it needs to be simple and focused there's loads of dimensions to the issue tell us how you see it and what you've been working on well there it's a very complex issue like you said i think the bottom you know one of the issues is there are over you know there are 500 cities in california with 500 different sets of rules there are a lot of other government agencies that apply their own fees and and all this sort of stuff. You know, the state adds costs and regulations. I mean, it's just so complicated yep. to build a house in this state uh, that, of course, the cost is. I mean, you basically have a commodity if you have a house because it's so hard to build. And you know, where pe- where listeners are living, they might say, "Hey, well, my area is growing really fast." And there could be a number of reasons for that because it's desirable. And plus, there's some certainty with the community that the project for the developers that it's actually going to happen. But I think at the end of the day, we have to I I will tell you this. We have a lot of conflicting policies. For example, we need to reduce vehicle miles traveled by law that says in order to reduce greenhouse gases, projects need to reduce the amount of time people spend in cars mm-hmm. and then on the other hand we say oh hey we have to build everywhere and every suburb needs to build a bazillion houses and uh, i think it's a great thing if property owners want to build their houses but also the state how do you reduce vmt if you're building out in you know tahoe and the jobs in sacramento right you're gonna have to drive a couple hours to get wherever you need to go so the state just does one thing with one hand and another thing with the other hand, and none of it makes any sense. It's too complicated, too much uncertainty. But the biggest issue is property owners, even if your property is zoned for housing, do not have the right to housing unless many government agencies say you can actually do it there. 
So just going to that, when you say a government agent, just to give us a scenario there. When you say property owner, do you mean someone who owns some land and wants to put houses on it or someone who already owns a home and wants to put apartment? Just what, what are the kind of scenarios you're looking at there? So if you want to uh, build a house in Rockland, um, my city, you not only does the city need to approve it actually going there itself. Hey, this meets the zoning. This is the setbacks. It's got to be, you know, the sidewalk needs to be this thick. The grass needs to be this big. It needs to be watered with these sprinklers. It needs to have solar. I mean, there's so many layers of things mm -hmm. that need to happen. But also then the sewer company comes in and says, hey, well, you have to pay the $10,000 fee to hook up to the sewer mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and then the there's just so many different entities that come in there. Uh, your electric provider, they add their own set of rules and their own set of fees. Um, so it's not like you can just build something. You got to pay all these fees and give into all these government agencies and whatever their rules are. Mm -hmm. And they're different for every single city in California. But a, another big thing is, too, is obviously CEQA. Yeah. Um, Seek was a massive challenge. I mean, we don't have enough time to talk about that, but if we could be here all day, but if you are going to uh, build out in even an urbanized area, you see this in one of the most famous cases is in Berkeley, mm -hmm. where a judge ruled that the noise made by people living in an apartment complex was not properly analyzed under CEQA. And so they threw out the entire housing project because one person was able to sue on that project. Yes. Well, it sounds like we're very much on the same page then because the two components of our initiative mm -hmm. are one, to cap the fees that you described, to cap impact fees at a proportion of construction costs, 2% for local agencies, 1% for state, 3% total, which would bring them down in most parts of the state, way below what they are now. And the second is to remove that right of anyone to sue under CEQA so that you do stop these junk lawsuits that stop things from being built. That, those are the two main components of our ballot initiative. But you've been working on legislation, I think, with a Democrat on, on um, this. It's a good example of bipartisanship. Is that right? I think it's one area where it really is uh, bipartisan. It's actually, I would say, it's more of a faction thing. It's sort of, there's there's local control people yeah. who say, hey, the city should be able to maintain whatever control they want to maintain. And then there's the environmental side, which is don't build another darn house in California ever again because it hurts the environment or mm -hmm. sea level rise or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's the people who... Uh, go beyond, but hey, strip all local control and just build whatever you can. I don't really fit nicely in any particular box, but I do strongly believe in property rights. And that says, if you own property that is zoned for housing already, it's already been decided that that's going to be housing. You should be allowed to yeah. build housing and not have to worry about the city council saying no because they don't like the colors or uh, a sequel lawsuit because... Yeah. One person with well, no skin in the game, by the way, costs you twenty five hundred bucks to sue. Well, th that's exactly right. I mean, we, we really um, that is the kind of central part of our ballot initiative. I mean, that that's very much aligned. But what is the legislation? You're, I, I was just in, I was talking to someone else about I, I have, I'm having lots of conversations about housing these days. And someone said, oh, but Joe Patson is doing some really good legislation on this with. Um, I can't remember. Was it Alex Lee? Is that is that is that the right name? Uh, no. Well, What's we kind of have this inside inside joke a little bit although it could turn into something but 
That more has to do with HOAs oh. and the power that HOAs have. Look, I live in an HOA. Uh -huh. Generally, I support HOAs because they kind of, you know, they can keep your neighborhood, you know, from people parking on the grass or, mm -hmm. you know, painting your house pink or something, right? So just kind of, you know, level things out. But they, they get crazy. They're like their own little government agencies. And, you know, I have cars that drive around my street every day taking pictures of houses if your lawn's not mowed <laughs> enough right so alex lee so i got a flag it's actually hanging in my office in the capitol yeah that says defund the hoa and uh you know it's kind of a joke i mean like i said i have some support for hoas but mm -hmm. we don't need another barrier on top of people yeah. just trying to live their lives right and alex lee's a democrat He's a very progressive Democrat. Okay. I mean, actually, that's what's become very interesting on housing issues. I mean, uh, some of the biggest policies in the legislature that have passed on housing this year were passed by progressive Democrats as the authors, but Republicans put the bills over the edge because it was the environmental Democrats who were trying to block it, right? The sort of like... the environmental terrorism basically just yes. trying to block these bills to help housing production and so it would be republicans i would say hey no you have a property right to this that's a fundamental view of republican mm -hmm. values is property rights and so let them build the darn house and I, exactly uh, exactly i mean yeah. that, that, I, I love the way you put that and that's the that's the spirit we should have here in california which is that's the california dream you know like build a and We've got plenty of space, right? And and I agree. And I think we need all sorts of housing. We, I agree with the infill and the and the places where you could sort of take some empty, unused land in the, in an urban setting and put something great there. But also, we've got a lot of space for the single family homes. I'm, I don't like this war on single family homes that that some people want to wage. You know, there's no need hey, to exactly. force anyone to do anything. That's what I'm talking about. And especially with the secret thing the sequel lawsuits. I mean, we did some calculations. There's a million homes that are already approved by local government or comply with all the zoning and so on that that have been blocked by these, yeah. these lawsuits and they're ready to go and they've been blocked. It's ridiculous. There's a, uh, and they, and people backtrack on their agreements. There's, and there's a community outside of uh, the Sacramento area that they have a master plan community going. And there was an agreement done like 20 years ago hey, you won't build past this barrier. Mm -hmm. We'll keep this barrier. Everything over here will be green and continue to be farmland and all that kind of stuff. But you can build over here. So a developer came in, they bought all the land. They proposed a master plan community with some single families, some, some apartments, some shops, you know, things like that. And uh, some one person filed a CEQA lawsuit. Actually, it wasn't just one person. It was also the Sierra Club mm -hmm. uh, filed a lawsuit. And that project's now being held up. And, uh, you know, I don't really understand how we allow this to happen. Again, something we did not address. One of the biggest issues in California is housing. And we did not really address it this year. We kind of nibbled around the edge. Yes. There's some things going on, but we didn't really address it. Well, there you are. To save the state from the inadequacy of the legislature, I have filed this ballot initiative. So hopefully we can get that on the ballot. And, and I know we'll be talking more about it. We're, we're in that phase where we're waiting for the title and summary to come back from the attorney general's office. And then we'll see. Uh, we'll need to 
get the signatures to qualify it. Or this we're aiming for the November 2024 ballot next year. So hopefully that'll make a difference. It'll definitely, I mean, those two things, the impact fees and the sequel lawsuits, that's the focus of our initiative. So, I mean, if we pass it, it really will make a difference. Um, so we'll see. What just, oh, just, be huge. just quickly on our, any, any other th sort of thoughts as we, as the uh, session comes to an end, you've got all these bills coming out going to the governor for signature. Um, what do you, what do you make of it all? Um, you know, interestingly, I was reading the other day that there is just as many bills passed, I guess, this year is sort of, it's sort of a typical year, mm -hmm. but my experience being on, if something gets to a vote on the assembly floor, it is going to pass. I only saw one bill die. Um, and we have some, we have legislation that will raise fast food worker salaries to $20 an hour plus a three and a half percent raise every single year. Now you might say, hey, I mean, if, if you work at McDonald's, you should make 20 bucks an hour. But the reality is you do that, it, everybody else has to pay more, right? Because why would you, if, you know, you could go get, you could work at McDonald's for 20 bucks or you can, other people aren't going to take a job paying $17 at a, you know, yeah. a harder job or something. So it impacts everybody. Plus a raise. Uh, healthcare workers are up to 25 bucks an hour. So they're sort of picking their favorites uh, right now, whatever they want to do. But uh, so there's just there's a lot going on on parental rights and how kids are treated, you know, uh, how, how much rights kids have sort of against their parents, I guess you could say. Um, a lot of that went through the legislature. I mean, it's a the best the best day for Californians was the day the legislature adjourned on Thursday because you can all have a <laughs> sigh of relief. I mean, what do you make? I mean, it. What does it feel like? You know, you're right there. You you and there's, we you know we point this out. You know, there's 19 of you. There's 61 of them in the assembly. I mean, this just sort of deluge of. I mean, what what's the? How do you sort of keep the fight going, as it were? Um. Well, you have to sort of have thick skin. You, they, I also think you have to be able to speak forcefully against things, but never really make it personal. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's it's very frustrating. But I think as a Californian, not so much just my job. I mean, if I'm not there, somebody else would be there probably, mm -hmm. you know, fighting too, maybe not as well as I do, of course. But yeah. <laughs> um, but I think what's interesting about it is we can only serve 12 years, which I, I support term limits in general. But the big risk is legislators aren't going to be there to see the consequences of their actions. Yeah. So if you're making a crazy decision right now, you're going to be on to your next gig or retired in 12 years from now. So I think it's that's kind of dangerous in a way because you don't have to are there consequences? The way the seats are, almost every seat in the legislature, I think there's six or seven seats that are competitive in the assembly. Um, the other 70 plus are totally non-competitive. Um, and so that kind of- That's terrible. Yeah, that, I mean, so how, okay, so what what hope is there then? I mean, okay, that's an interesting question. Sorry, I was going to sort of, you know, wrap it up and I will in a second. I know you have to go, but um, that's a really interesting question. Because if you look at the state of California politically um, and you say, you know, this is very rough, but, you know, not far off off the mark, which is pretty it's been a pretty stable political situation for the last you know de decade plus, almost regardless of who's the candidate or what the race is. 
it ends up being roughly 60-40, right? And a lot of people will be surprised at that. And they look at California, particularly from the rest of the country, and they think, oh, it's so deep blue state, far left. You know, they would guess something like 80-20, but it's not. 60-40. But in the, in the assembly, it's much bigger than that, the margin for the Democrats. So if you're saying that you've only got six or seven seats that, that, that really are competitive, that means that they've got some. They've got an inbuilt advantage that actually is they, they are overrepresented. There's very very little that one could imagine doing about that. In the Big assembly. time. I mean, uh, Republicans represent about a quarter of voters in California, and they represent about a quarter of the legislature. Um, but on the you know Democrats, I don't know, like forty nine percent of people are Democrats or something like that, but they have seventy five percent of the legislature. So, um, you know, just the way it's done. That's why a lot of these issues, people get so enamored by what's happening in Congress. And, mm -hmm. and look, that's that's really important stuff. But when you think about your everyday life, I mean, it's a state level: schools, yes, homelessness, exactly. housing, whatever. And so, uh, but I. I will say there has been a history of swings. Um, and so right now there's six or seven competitive seats, but mm -hmm. we just, you just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, well, things, I, yeah, I, things can happen. I mean, people at some point are just going to get tired of it. I hope. And well, yes. start changing their votes a little bit. I feel very well. I mean that I'm committed to try and accelerate that point and to, and to start to build. And that's why I started golden together, my organization to try and, build this movement for change in California. But do you, just on this districts, I mean, do you think that the, would you, would you say that it's gerrymandered in favor of the Democrats, the assembly? Um, yeah. I mean, I, there's no doubt in my mind because every, yeah, you 24% know, of people who are like independents or whatever. Um, I mean, they're either in a Republican or Democrat district and it just happens to be that, Democrats are way overrepresented. I don't I don't want to say it's intentional or I, I don't know. I mean, I kind of watched some of the hearings and it's supposed to be a bipartisan mm -hmm. or nonpartisan thing, but it's just hard to look at the seats and say, hey, that's a fair representation. Yes. You're right. 60-40 or let's even say 65-35. At the end of the day, what you have in the legislature is not representative no, not of what all. people are voting. It you know? really isn't this massive supermajority. What? Are, how many seats does do the Republicans need to win in order to uh, stop the supermajority? Nine, right? Okay. A lot. Nine. Yeah. yeah. It's not, so not it's easy. uh, it it's. Well, I'll tell you. I I used to actually be a staff person in the Capitol a long time ago. Um, and there were thirty-two Republicans, and that made a huge, huge difference. So. I don't think California has changed that much. Mm -hmm. I think, but this is why you see, this is why you see the governor talk about issues that he thinks resonates with the vast majority of voters, whether you are Republican or Democrat. And I'll give you a great example of that. Uh, constantly, I mean, things like gay marriage, abortion, and guns, people have very strong opinions on that. And the polling on, for example, uh, abortion basically shows that now, look, I'm pro-life. I'm just telling you that the data on abortion will say that most people think there should be some mm -hmm. tolerance of that. Right. And so that's why when you're talking about thick issues, I always say 
We have the fentanyl crisis. We have housing. We have homelessness. We have all these things California is failing on. But that's not what the governor is talking about. He's out there, but abortion. Or he's saying, hey, the 28th Amendment or whatever, right? Because he wants to talk about the issues that pull at your heartstring, not the actual problems that are going on out there, right? Yeah. So it's just, it's... Um, I agree. I, and that's how people vote. I think people vote. A lot of people vote, and I think it's fine. Emotionally, they vote with their hearts, right? So... Well, I think that I, I agree with that, that that description of the strategy that they're using to deflect from their failures on all those issues. I mean, every single one, it's hard to, I, I don't know who, who would be able to pick one of those practical issues, whether it's on the economy, small business, education and schools, um, energy, water, the business climate, you know, drugs, crime, homelessness, on and on, the forest management, you know, what's what's going well, <laughs> you know, on any of this stuff. We're the bottom of every list you want to be at the top of, and we're the top of every list you want to be the bottom of, the highest taxes, the highest poverty, the lowest home ownership, as I said earlier, the lowest literacy, you know, it's just a, it's a real massive catalog of failure. And they, st they continue to, the party in power for like 50 years, you know, yes, we've yeah, had Schwarzenegger yeah. and we've had Pete Wilson for portions of those, but they, the party in power continues to get elected despite, I mean, the list you just gave off gave me heartburn because there's so many issues out there that we're just totally ignoring. I know. Well, that's why we all need to, you know, like really focus on uh, putting that, making the case in a, in a, a persuasive way so that we can start to, I think there's a majority for change. I know there's a majority for change. The polling sh shows that, you know, people think by a majority that the California, that California is going in the wrong direction. One last thing, I promise I'll let you go because you just mentioned it and it just reminded me. You mentioned that you're a staffer. So one of the bills that they've just passed is to create a union for the legislative workers or something in the cap. What's that about? Oh, I'm going to tell you, and I know my Republican friends hate this. <laughs> I am a huge supporter of it. Not because I was oh, a staffer. Okay. But this is why. This is why. You are going to tell businesses and all these entities that they have to unionize. The legislature sets rules for everybody else, but they don't follow their own rules. And so it's not only that, it's public records requests. If you go to a city council and you say, I want to see your text messages about whatever issue you're talking about on the city, the city has to turn them over to you. But if you go to a legislator, and that's a state law that the legislature passed, but do you think the legislature wants to give you their text messages? Not a chance. And this is another example of them saying, hey, look, hotels or or Disney, or I, I mean, you just name mm -hmm. it. You We're going to set the conditions to where you have to unionize Amazon, whatever you want to say. But they don't set the conditions for themselves, and I think that's dumb. They should have the same le – the legislature should have the same rules on them that they give to everybody else. So I am actually a huge proponent of it because, it, you know what, if it's going to be difficult for the legislature, then maybe they'll understand what I some see. of the businesses go through. Interesting. So there's the there's an English saying. I don't know if it happens to be a saying here. What, what source for the goose is source for the gander? Is that something? Does that sound totally weird to you? I don't know. And no, that's exactly. I think it's slightly different here, but that different is animals, exactly maybe. what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, very yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. Great to have your perspective on that. Thank you. All right. Joe Patson, fantastic. Good to see you today. Keep fighting. We, we're all counting on you.
Hey, thanks for having me. It's always a good time. I love your, uh, you know, your perspective on issues. And I like that, you're, you know, the housing stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, like, that's hey, very man, good. Just, we'll, we'll be, we got to we'll, find something to do. Yeah, exactly. We'll be working together on that, I'm sure. Thank you, Joe. See you soon. Great. All right. Hope you enjoyed the show. For more great conversations like that, make sure you follow us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter. Tell your friends all about the show. Join the movement. Go to goldentogether.com and help us save California. And we'll see you back here soon for the next episode of The Steve Hilton Show.